You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. That's right. It is Locked On Horn Frogs. It is your team every day. And I am your host, Stephen Simcox. Excited to be back with you. Um, sorry for some delay in the process this week. Had some sick kids. Uh, at the house the last few days but we're back we're rolling we're on youtube please subscribe to the youtube channel if you haven't done that let's jump right into it with some football talk okay so i teased this coming into the intro the most important position group the position group that will determine success for tcu football in 2022 the first year under sunny dykes and i know a lot of you are probably tempted to say quarterback and we don't have clarity there yet it still looks like it's a battle between chandler morris and max duggan and it appears that battle is going to continue uh, into fall camp, which I said earlier, I, you know, I wish there was some more clarity there. I wish somebody would have emerged, but that hasn't happened. However, I think the defensive side of the ball is going to be more important, and more specifically, the defensive line. Now, last season, the defensive line for TC was terrible. They were one of the worst units in college football, um, and there was really, like, no, there wasn't much positive that came from the defensive line last season. They got blown off the ball. They got bullied uh, all year long. Teams ran against them at will. That last game against Iowa State, Brees Hall just ran up and down the field on them. Oklahoma State did the same thing. Um, you know, the biggest the biggest surprise of the year to me was the fact that they held up fairly well against a Baylor rushing attack that had run the ball uh, extremely well all season long. Somehow TC was able to hold up in that game. Of course, we all know the emotions behind that game with Gary Patterson leaving, you know, before that game week started. And Gary had a lot of success for a long time with undersized defensive linemen that were quick and fast. He made a living getting guys uh, who didn't play that position, you know, in high school and got there in college, put on some weight, developed into really good players. And that's not the only reason they were getting shoved off the ball. I don't think that's what was happening uh, to TCU football last year. I feel like there was a lot of things at play, but the bottom line was they could not stop opposing teams at the point of attack. And there's no workaround for that. Like there are things you can do scheme wise. If you're limited on offense, if you're limited at skill positions, you can find creative ways to get players the ball. You can find creative ways using misdirection to try and move the ball down the field. There's no getting around not being able to reestablish the line of scrimmage and allow your linebackers to flow fast to the football and make plays. If that doesn't work, nothing else is going to work. And I think the positive is they were so bad last year that even if they could get to like an average level or a passable level, that would be a huge improvement for this team. Now, on paper, it doesn't look great because you lost Kyrie Coleman and Oshawn Mathis. And we know Kyrie Coleman, more of an outside linebacker type, so maybe he just doesn't fit in this new scheme. Joe Gillespie going to the 3-3-5. Uh, he didn't have a great season last year. was dealing with some injuries, but there was a ton of potential there. Was really excellent as a freshman. And was the type of quick twitch, coming off the edge athlete that in the modern game uh, is just a game wrecker. So disappointing to see him move on to Ole Miss. O'Shawn Mathis recently decided to go to Nebraska. Uh, O'Shawn had four sacks last year. He was tied with Dylan Horton for the team lead. 
And my one gripe about O'Shawn is I felt like he really showed out against teams that were subpar. Like, he did a lot of his damage against Kansas, Texas Tech the last few years. But, I mean, he had great size, great ability. And that was another player you felt like if if the new staff could kind of unlock what he was doing, that would be huge. However, those guys are gone. They moved on. So who steps up in that void? And we've seen over the past few weeks and months, we've seen this change, a subtle change in how they're recruiting the types of players that they're going after. Bigger, stronger, taking up more space. That's the type of guy they want in the middle now with this 3-3-5 scheme. They just went and got Caleb Fox, Stephen F. Austin transfer. Another big physical guy who can play in the middle, can play on the edge. Dylan Horton returning. He had good numbers last year. Would like to see him be more consistent. Um, Doug Blue Eli, another newcomer, sophomore, who played uh, some Juco ball in New York. I think it's going to be a big step up for him. But he's got that prototypical size for a nose tackle. Um, at 6'2", 315 pounds. Terrell Cooper, an experienced player coming back. Landon Watson, a younger guy who hasn't hit the field yet, but that it would be nice to see him sort of break through this year. Dominic Williams, um, the freshman from California. Again, huge size. He made a lot of noise in spring camp. I, I have some doubts about him stepping in day one as a freshman and being a really effective player. But again, that's the type of guy they want in this new look scheme. And if Joe Gillespie and Sonny Dykes can find a way to put together a defensive line that can hold its own, that can make plays, then I think the ceiling for this team is a lot higher, right? Because I'm honestly fairly optimistic about the offense. I just think Sonny Dykes and Garrett Riley, they know what they're doing. There's a lot of skill talent, but can you hold up defensively? That's the big key, and it starts up front. And I, I think that is the first step moving forward. And it's strange because, Sonny, you know, one of the things I said a couple weeks ago, the national perception of the Big 12 is not right. There's still a lot of people that don't watch Big 12 football that think the league is soft, think the league lacks physicality, that feel like it's just a bunch of run-and-shoot offenses, air-raid offenses, getting after it, scoring 50 points a game. But that's not the case. I mean, the identity of the best teams in the league the last few years has been hard-nosed teams that play defense. Oklahoma State's changed how they do things. Baylor under Dave Aranda, defensive-minded team. These are obviously not title contenders yet, but Kansas State with Chris Kleiman. West Virginia with Neil Brown, sort of cut from that same cloth. Uh, Texas Tech went and got Joe McGuire, who's an energetic guy, big-time recruiter, has great roots in the Texas high school football game. But at his core, he's a defensive coach. That's what he did at Baylor. Um, that's how he rose to prominence at Cedar Hill when he was a high school coach there. Brett Venables at Oklahoma, they're trying to sort of shift away from some of the things they were known for under Lincoln Riley into being a more hard-nosed physical team. So, can Sonny Dykes merge his offense that has been so successful wherever he's been with a more 
physical, tough-minded group, that's going to start at the line of scrimmage. And if that defensive line can hold their own, that will unlock another level for TCU football in 2022. When we come back on the other side of the break, got a break coming up here, but next, a transfer for TCU basketball that can make a huge difference for this team. Is there a second score coming to help out Mike Miles? We'll discuss that next here on Locked on Horn Frogs. Okay, Locked on Horn Frogs, segment two coming your way. Thank you for making Locked on Horn Frogs your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, as I said at the top of the show. We're also available on YouTube now. And when you wake up in the morning, find Locked on Horn Frogs, tune into it, make it your first listen, and thank you for doing that. Uh, that is one of the great things about the Locked on Network. It's local. It's live. It's here for you. So I would uh, encourage you to subscribe on the various platforms and make Locked on Horn Frogs your first listen. Some TCU basketball talk. So Adam Miller uh, spent last season at LSU, had a torn ACL that he's coming off of. So didn't really he didn't play at LSU last year. But in 2020, played for Illinois. Um Shot 39% from the field, averaged eight points a game. Uh, only one turnover per game. 34% from three. Was effective as a freshman. Was a big-time transfer and landed in Baton Rouge. And again, didn't play last year, but he is a hot commodity in the transfer portal. And TCU basketball, um, it, as weird as it sounds, they have more momentum right now than I think any program on campus. The men's basketball team. Uh, you know, had a, a surprising run to the round of 32. Played Arizona really tough. The one seed in their region. And there's a ton of optimism around this group right now. I saw 247 Sports had them in the top 10 and they're way too early top 25. I think, you know, barring something unforeseen, they're going to be a preseason top 25 team, which is obviously super rare for TCU basketball. Mike Miles entered the NBA draft, decided to return. I mean, pretty much everybody's coming back. Francisco Farabello hit the portal. But of the key contributors, that's really it. Eddie Lampkin is, is going to run it back. Emmanuel Miller, uh, Damian Ball. We can go down the list. You get it. It's a team that's returning a lot of production. And they've been sort of deliberate about adding players. And I think that's smart, and I think it's intentional. You know, one thing that Jamie Dixon mentioned throughout the season, and I, I think you could also just tell if you watch the team for any extended period of time, is that this was a group that got along, that had good chemistry. Now, to a certain extent, like when a team wins, they have good chemistry, okay? When they don't, they don't. Like, it's, it's just, it's one of those cliches in sports that I think gets overused a little bit. They love playing together. They play for each other. But I feel like you could tell that it was genuine. They were enjoying the ride. They were enjoying some of the surprising things that they were doing. I think, you know, the upsets late in the year, beating Texas Tech at home, beating Kansas at home, coming back and defeating Texas in the Big 12 tournament. You could see this was just a team that believed in, in itself, believed in each other, gained a lot of confidence as the year went on. And so, 
they overhauled the roster last year with the transfer portal, but I think they're being much more selective in who they take on. Partly because of the chemistry thing, also because of just basic math, right? Like, they don't have a lot of spots. They don't have a lot of guys leaving. But Adam Miller visited campus on Friday. And I said this a lot last year. As good as, as they were at the highest highs, they desperately need another player who can create their own shot. Now, I think Damian Ball can do that. And he... I mean, he might fill that void in a big way just if he improves in the offseason and can cut down on those turnovers. But he's not a super reliable outside shooter. And I think in isolation situations, he doesn't... He, he just doesn't get efficient shots consistently enough. So you need a player that can do that and take some of the pressure off Mike. Because you saw it throughout the year, and I think... You know, you saw it in that last possession against Arizona. Probably should have been called a foul. But the bottom line is he got blitzed on that pick and roll. And he couldn't find, you know, he couldn't find somebody over the defense. But they felt comfortable doing Arizona felt comfortable doing that because they didn't believe anybody else was going to be able to create their own shot and get a bucket. Eddie Lampkin's another guy. Now, he's not going to necessarily get his own shot. He's a big. But his improvement could be huge for this team. However, having a player like Miller, if he's healthy, that can get their own shot. That brings some more athleticism to the floor for a team that's already pretty stacked in that department. Um, that can lead the offense from time to time. Can be a you know extra ball handler. That would be a huge development for this team. If they can land him, and it's down to TCU and LSU, it's either going back to LSU, as weird as it sounds, he's talking about transfer portal destinations. Well, there's one, you know, new team, and there's one team that he was in. Um, but if they can hold off the Tigers, then, again, like this team, I think the sky's the limit. Even in a rough-and-tumble Big 12 conference, that's an absolute meat grinder. It would be big if they could find a way to do it. So Jamie Dixon and this staff, uh, they got the full court press on. And he's going to announce this Friday. So we'll keep tabs on that as the week progresses. Uh, we'll close with some TCU baseball talk. This team has lost a chance at a Big 12 title, but they lost more than that. We'll discuss that next. Before we do that, though, I do want to uh, mention one of our great partners, Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. It's not just a betting site, even though that is one of the great things about it, but you can also just get good sports news there. You can find all the latest odds, news, developments, uh, NBA playoffs going on right now. Can the Mavs find a way to win three in a row? Can they steal game five on the road in Phoenix? That would be huge. Luka Doncic, Jalen Brunson, they were great in Dallas. You can bet on the playoffs. Um, fights. Baseball, right? Major League Baseball in full swing. Rangers are playing a little bit better. That's encouraging. Anything and everything. Bet online. It's uh, your continued source for all your sports wagering information, live betting, esports, and more. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. Bet online. It's where the game starts. Don't forget to uh, tune in to our conference shows. Thanks for making. Locked on Horn Frogs, your first listen every day. But also, check out Locked on Big 12. Uh, Josh Neighbors, he does a great job 
covering the whole league. And that's another advantage of the Lockdown Podcast Network is there's plenty of shows, plenty of content all over the network uh, that is live and local and pertains to, you know, your interest. So check out Lockdown Big 12. We'll have our roundtable, as we do every week, later in the week. Okay, TCU Baseball. Um, They play Incarnate Word tonight in a Tuesday night matchup. Would love to see them get back on track. But they dropped two out of three to Oklahoma. And this is a team that is now um, one in four in their last five games. Uh, the pitching staff is an absolute mess. Riley Cornelio dealing with an injury he didn't pitch on Friday. Austin Krobe stepped in his place and only made it through one inning on Friday night, gave up three runs. Uh, but the Frogs were able to bounce back and win that ball game. Had a huge fifth inning, scored seven runs. Took that first game from Oklahoma and... On Friday, I felt like, okay, great. You know, just steal one of these next two, and you're in a good situation. Um, But Saturday, Marcelo Perez could not find the plate. They walked a ton of batters. Lose Oklahoma 11-7 on on Saturday, excuse me, and then fall in the rubber match uh, 5-1 on Sunday. And Caleb Bolden made the start on Sunday. They took Brett Walker out of the rotation. I really don't know what the coaching staff is doing right now with with the pitching staff if you're an optimist i think you could say they have a lot of different options right brett walker is now in the bullpen or at least was this past weekend cornelio's hurt austin crow obviously is still in a place where he can't go very deep in a game marcelo perez who was converted to the bullpen to the starting rotation early in the year electric stuff but struggles to find the plate and is not really efficient with his pitches but on Sunday, to Caleb Bolden's credit, he gave up four runs in the first, and then he settled in, he went four innings, and they were able to kind of stabilize that thing, but they couldn't score. And so they dropped two out of three. They've now fallen a game and a half back of Oklahoma State, but big picture-wise, uh, to win a Big 12 title, they need Oklahoma State to lose at least three of their last six, which would mean probably dropping a couple of the Texas Tech and then losing one game to a struggling Baylor team in the last two weekends of the season. And if the Pokes drop three of their last six, then TCU would have to sweep Kansas this weekend, and that would tie them for a Big 12 title with OSU. That's not impossible, but it doesn't seem likely. And I think at this point, the the bigger issue is, can you find a way to get into the NCAA tournament with some, with some momentum? And what does your starting rotation look like if and when you get there? Because Cam Brown stepped up on Friday night and did a nice job coming in in, in relief of Austin Crowe. And, I mean, that's another guy that's had all kinds of different roles this year. He started out as a Tuesday night starter. Then when Austin Crowe went down, he got moved in the weekend rotation. He got kicked out of the weekend rotation because he was struggling. And they would sort of sometimes bring him out of the bullpen. And now he's turned into like a long relief specialist, which has worked pretty well. So do you take a gamble with him? And say, hey, maybe Cam's figured it out. Let's let him have another start. Um, another chance at starting, excuse me. What does Riley Cornelio's health look like? I mean, these are all questions that have to be answered, and there's not a lot of time to answer them. And my concern, big picture, is this is the second year in a row that this pitching staff has sort of imploded midseason. And while there are some explanations for it, both years, you know, the issues being health-related in some cases. It's still not a good sign to me for, you know, a pitching coach in Kirk Sarlow's former pitching coach, that 
they're struggling in that department. The lineup itself, I mean, it's just been inconsistent all year. Braden Taylor is dealing with some sort of illness. He did not look at full strength. He only played Saturday and Sunday in that series. Um, Tommy Sacco is really the only consistent hitter on the team right now. That's not going to work. I mean, just top to bottom, they're not getting it done. So we'll see what happens. There's still time to figure these things out. But, uh, yeah, TC Baseball, it's um, it's concerning as they prepare for a weekend series against Kansas and Lawrence. And that will close out Big 12 play with the staggered schedule. They're going to wrap things up uh, before just about anybody else in the league will. That'll do it for Locked on Horned Frogs today. I'll be back tomorrow. Again, you can subscribe on YouTube. Also, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in today. I'll talk to you on Wednesday.